So in this episode today, we're talking to Matthew Weems. He's the assistant school director at the Cambridge School of Bucharest, but he's also an educator who's exploring AI. Let's jump into this episode right now. Welcome back to I'd Rather Be at the Beach, brought to you by me. I'm Simon, and I run the Bonjour Agency. If you work in an independent school, then this is the podcast for you, where we don't talk about work, but we do talk to people in the independent school sector. It's fun, it's fascinating, it's fabulous. So let's jump into it. Matthew, welcome to I'd Rather Be at the Beach. Thank you for being here. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. It's great to talk to you as well. Tell me, how is the wonderful world of Bucharest right now? Surprisingly sunny. We've gone from like minus seven to like 20 odd degrees in the space of three or four days. So it's a very warm February for Romania. Wow. Okay. And and so that's not usual for this time of year. Is that right? No, usually now we're heading deeper into the minus numbers. So it's it's pretty, uh, it's pretty good. Good springtime vibes at the moment. So I'm dying to talk to you about AI and and about this wonderful world that we're in with AI. But first of all, I'm just being a bit nosy. How did you end up in Bucharest? So for me, uh, I met my now wife uh, eight years ago in London. Uh, we She's half Romanian, half uh, half British. She grew up halfway between, half half the time in London, half the time in Bucharest. We met to, we met in London. I'd always wanted to teach internationally, uh, so this just seemed like a very nice way for us to to get to tick that off the bucket list. And uh, my wife could also speak Romanian, so it made sense for her to come over, and uh, she could also work here as well. And since then, house house and two kids since then. So. And then the school that you're at, I know that it's called the Cambridge School of Bucharest. That's all I know about it. It sounds like a, a, a British kind of school. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So we're a British, uh, a BSO school, a British uh, British overseas school. Uh, we offer the national curriculum, IGCSEs, uh, traditional A-level route. We're also expanding. We're an IB candidate school now as well. So we're expanding our offering at A-level, uh, that traditional A-level versus, versus IB kind of route next year. So it's it's a school that's in development. We've gone from I think 300 students when I started to over a thousand. So we've had a rapid rapid growth over the last five years. But it's been a it's been a, a wild but a fun ride. Well, that's good to hear. That 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 really is. Tell me about your role then, and in particular, what your interest is regarding AI. And I'm dying to know as well whether your role there as assistant school director. Is, is that led by AI or do you incorporate AI into some of the work that you do? Or is AI just simply something that you're interested in that kind of goes alongside the work that you do, but it's not necessarily a key part of it? The last one, which I think it is in most schools. I think most schools, AI, whatever shape or form that's taking, is usually someone who's doing it off their own interest or their own kind of drive in that area. Still, there's lots of schools that are developing kind of, I've seen lots of adverts for head of innovation, head of AI and things in schools. But I, I think that's mainly in the private sector and mainly I've seen from private schools in the UK. I haven't seen much internationally in that kind of zone yet, but my interest, I, I'm a computer science teacher first and foremost, so I've always had an interest. But then also from seeing, I think when I started playing with it in December, 2022, first I started asking ChatGPT some stupid questions like, oh, what could I make for my lunch? Or tell me a joke and things like that. And then I said, like, just hang on a second. Let, can you plan me a lesson on this, this, and this? And I was like, wow. And because the output was like, it's pretty much what I would have done, slash maybe a couple of ideas that I've never thought of. Uh, so then I started using it a lot for my own personal planning. I tried to roll it out in school in January, 
but there was lots of uh, caps at that point of how many people could join the, the I think ChatGPT3 at the time. Uh, so lots of the teachers in the school were on waiting lists, so no one could really use it until uh, towards the end of our school year, which is like June. And then I've always wanted to, to blog and write, but I've, I'm dyslexic, so that kind of proofreading, always worried about my spelling and things always held me back. Then I thought, hang on, I can I can just write my article and ask AI to proofread it for me. So kind of put in my, I was playing around and doing stuff internally and coming up with ideas with AI. And uh, I met a few with Darren Coxon online at Acobis uh, Connected. That was really inspirational. And then we were ended up with us just in that session, bouncing ideas back and forwards off each other. So I thought, let me start sharing my ideas as well with AI there to help me proofread what I was writing. And then it kind of went from there and just got into the community on LinkedIn, was getting ideas from all over the place. Like my ideas were sparking other people's ideas, theirs were sparking mine. And then really thinking over the summer, like how can I bring this back into my school in August? Because I felt like we needed a plan. Okay. All right. Talk to me about this then. Some of the people listening to this work in marketing in independent schools in the UK or around the world. Some of them are heads in independent schools. I I think some of the people listening may well just be thinking, I I don't really know how to use even something like ChatGPT in a way that's going to help me with my work. So at a very basic level, how can those people be using it in a better way? Or just how can they start using it? I would put in, like for me, I use it most like 50 50 usage if i wasn't a administrator in the school as well a leadership team member i'd be using it to plan my teaching the other 50 percent of my usage is helping me with my emails letters to parents again i'm organizing an event myself in bucharest so helping me produce promotional materials for that and it's all about feeding in stuff that i've already done and asking for feedback is this clear Mm -hmm. would this be clear to romanian parents where english is their second language is there anything I could do to improve this? Just asking that for feedback, proofread this for me. Could the clarity be improved? Um, could you punch this up a little bit? Give me a, give me a, a, give me a more sizzling hook for the beginning of the of the post about the the school social media because um, we use it all the time in our marketing department just to give us ideas. It's never producing the final product, but usually after we've put through what our intention is for the event or the post and what the activities were, we've then cherry picked like from about four or five different generated versions, what we want our final Mm -hmm. version to be. And we kind of piece it together, tie it in with the school's voice a little bit. And so it's 90%, well, it's probably 50, 50 really. There's like 50% is coming from us nudging it in the right direction. And then we're taking the outputs and then tweaking them and and spinning it really into what works for us as a school. But emails, it's a lifesaver. I don't mind if an email's written by AI. Like they're all trans- mostly transactional anyway. So I'm just put my intention in. Sometimes it goes very flowery and over the top, and it doesn't sound like me. So right. I learned very quickly that the keyword, as I kept tweaking it and saying like, make it a little bit more like this, a little bit more professional, a little bit more friendly, a little bit more like this, and kept tweaking the outputs. And eventually, I just said like, what is this tone? Uh, and it's just called balanced professional. So I now ask it to write everything in a balanced professional tone. And it just kind of 90% of the time hits the mark. So if you do find a tone that works for you, for your marketing with like, or put your marketing materials in and say, what tone is this? And then you know the shorthand that ChatGPT is using to when you want to write another post about an activity, a science experiment for year four, 
it can mm -hmm. mirror that tone because you know the keyword, you know what it wants to, it knows what it thinks it is, and then you can prompt it back in that direction. Oh, I see, I see. And this to me sounds like a, a classic example of, of how it feels like the whole world is saying that we won't lose our jobs to AI, we'll lose our jobs to someone else who's using AI. Mm -hmm. I feel like every presentation on AI, on AI, somebody says that at some point in their pitch. But tell me a bit more then about uh, about what's outside of ChatGPT, because I think a lot of people, when they think about AI and how they can use it for their work, that they're, they're thinking about ChatGPT yeah. and they hear about 3.5, they hear about four, they don't really know the difference and whether they should be paying for four or using 3.5 for free or whether five's going to come along or is, if, that, if that's the way that it even works. But what, what else is outside of ChatGPT then? So... I originally was using a lot of Midjourney because that was one of the best image generators at the time. Tell us a bit more about what Midjourney is, just for people who don't know. So Midjourney is an image generator. Uh, you, it's quite technical to set up, even for me. Like I'm, I'm. You have to set up a server and you have to create an account and you have to link it all up. There, I had to watch a video by someone to learn how to set it up. And it's not like ChatGPT where you just write, kind of write what you want. You have to learn some kind of almost like command line back in the day of computers, some some like commands that then you can, that will then trigger you allow, trigger a place for you to then write your image prompt. Um, but it produced great outputs. Once you got over okay. those technical hurdles, the outputs were amazing and really high quality pictures, especially now they've, they've upgraded to version six. But for me, I've stepped back. I've stepped away from that now, and I'm mainly using. I just use ChatGPT4 for mo mostly everything now, um, because it's got image generation. The only nice thing I could do in Midjourney was swap my own face on. I added like an extra feature where you could swap your own face on pictures. Um, but I found um, from prompting in ChatGPT that I pretty much just look like every uh, bald teacher with blue eyes and a beard. So it looks. It looks. <laughs> 90% like me anyway. <laughs> so there's no need for to swap. If I make it look like a cartoon, it just almost looks like me anyway. So um, it it became a bit, uh, so I tried to save a bit of my own personal uh, budget there because the cost of AI tools can soon add up. Mm -hmm. But there are, there are tools for every profession. I think for teaching, there's loads of tools. Essentially, they're just all built on top of ChatGPT. Um, but they do provide some nice interfaces for teachers uh, that, that don't know really where to begin. It'll ask them what year group you're teaching, what are your learning objectives, but in separate text boxes. And then that essentially just gets put into ChatGPT in a prompt and then they extract the information back out and make it look nicer. I imagine there's the same thing exists for people who are doing marketing or certain platforms for budgeting and things like that. There's always these wrappers that are put around it but I I want to really I I try to encourage our staff to interact directly with it. Number one, you're paying for the subscription for one service. Why would you then pay for another service, which is essentially that service presented slightly nicer mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. you? Uh, when I think the power is to interact with it, like and learn what works for you and have a bit more freedom. It depends on the individual, I suppose. Yeah. But I'm not knocking any companies that are doing that because I completely see the reason. Like I think recent statistics are saying like almost 60% of teachers are either never used it, used a ChatGPT or an AI platform, or don't intend to. Somewhere like 40% or something don't intend to. So there is a lot of I can imagine you could probably extrapolate that over many careers. So people building platforms which entice people in and and break it down and demystify it. There's definitely definitely a place for those. Um, 
we as an office 365 school have a bing chat like bing copilot bing chat so that's nice because we um, our it manager has set the system up so edges our browser in the school so it's just there in the window so i've started to do what i've lovingly described as the bing chat boot camp so okay, every week right. every week i'm sending out like things people could do with bing chat like teachers uh, office staff and loads of the staff have actually uh, really really have taken to bing chat and copilot just because it's just there like it's in the it's built into the browser it's built into windows um they can they're just on the internet anyway and they can just click a button and, and a chat window appears so it's removed some of that friction and that gap so you don't have to go into chat gpt log in they can just open it up and it's logged in as is in as them on their school account because it's a school account it's the enterprise version so it's got that level of security that you know everything you're typing isn't going into training data mm -hmm. it's within the school um so they're taking to it like they're actually using it a lot to just ask questions come up with starter questions ideas for lessons like i tried the other day i tried to teach something it didn't like i was trying to teach boolean algebra it didn't go very well i tried this this and this can you give me some more ideas mm -hmm. to help me make this stick for students and then just take what works for me interesting so you mentioned about microsoft edge of course not many people from what I know about internet browsing, not many people use Microsoft Edge. A lot of people tend to use Google. Do you think that, well, first of all, is there an equivalent in Google? Or if there isn't, is there a chance that Microsoft Edge is going to start becoming the internet browser of choice for a lot of people? You can just go on, like you can go into Google and type uh, Bing, go onto the Bing uh, search engine and uh, oh. access Bing chat that way. Okay. It's just because uh, the way our system's set up, with the Office 365 integration to our devices in school, it, it was just useful that it was there. But Google have got their own offering. They've got Google Bard. They've got Gemini, which I think is probably potentially coming out tomorrow. There's some kind of upgrade coming out tomorrow. I don't think from what I'm reading, Google hasn't quite hit the mark yet, but probably by the time this episode get ahead, they might have revolutionized the market tomorrow. I don't know. Um, but I personally can't speak to many of the Google platforms. I think like I worked in a Google school for many years in the UK. Uh, I migrated slowly over to Microsoft and came around uh, to Office 365. Now working here for, I think, seven years. I've been here now. So I've been kind of just using what, what's available in school mainly. But I can't, I can't really speak to, I, I'd like to, but it's just, there's only so many hours in the day to keep experimenting with different AI platforms. Okay, so Matthew, uh, right now, I've just gone to Bing in Google and, and I'm typing in here, give me some questions to ask someone interested in AI who works in a school. So is that the kind of way that some people could use it then to generate some questions to ask someone like you on a podcast like this? Yeah, so I use it for, I was in London, I don't know if I should reveal this, but I was in London at a recruitment fair and people were coming down and sitting in front of me and I was interviewing a chemistry teacher for a position. I'm not a chemistry teacher. I don't know anything about A-level chemistry. Uh, so I was quickly using it to generate questions I should ask them about the subject, to test their subject knowledge and model answers. Bing chat itself, like one of the, one of the, this is the thing with the different platforms. Bing chat has got a slightly slight little bit of advantage probably the google one will have this as well because you get to see where the information's come from because it gives you the links so oh. it gives you a little bit more peace of mind that you've got okay this came from this website this website and this website 
Whereas there's the big buzzword about hallucinations, like when AI just makes up facts or make or the, the algorithm has produced a random sentence, which is this yeah. uh, made up, made up piece of information. I've had made up quotes from made up authors and made up journals uh, way back in June, July, when I was writing and trying to do some research. Um, but there are there are tools which got better with research, like Bing Chat has those links. There's a really cool one called Perplexity, mm-hmm. uh, which is very much a similar interface, but it's it's like Google, but take Google search, but taken up a notch where you're getting AI generated answers, but all the sources are referenced. So mm. I've started to use that a lot more, that and Bing Chat a lot more when I'm trying to write something mm-hmm. and want to know that that I'm writing it using actual facts, not potentially made up journals and mm. things like that. Mm. No, so I see. there is there is different tools for different purposes. I can imagine eventually all this is just going to become one mega tool, like as as kind of as corporations grow and get like and, and startups happen and like Facebook buys a startup and this company uh. buys a startup. I can imagine eventually someone's going to produce something which does everything well or or there's going to be certain very very niche products uh, which attract certain certain specific audiences in but so are we seeing a lot of land grab going on right now then with companies like google and microsoft and and anyone else who's doing this i think that i probably ai was on the roadmap of many of these companies but i think ChatGPT kind of sent some shockwaves out in terms of like pushing the conversation forward mm-hmm. uh, i've taught ai for years it was it's a like three pages in the A-level textbook. I've always talked about it. I've always been aware of it, but Mm. it's never seemed that relevant because it was mainly like, oh, you're typing in Word and it'll suggest the next word for you. Or Mm. uh, or like it might help you to train a robot to do a certain task around uh, in a factory or something like that. Mm. It wasn't really until ChatGPT came out where it really shined this massive focus on this potential of like the large language model and 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 this like natural language processing. Mm. Uh, so I think it then pushed a lot of companies, just like COVID did, when uh, we all started teaching online. We went from like different a couple of different platforms, which were kind of like mainly for running meetings. Mm-hmm. Quickly became teaching tools with tools for teachers and breakout rooms and things like that. So mm-hmm. I can imagine it's pushed a lot of people's roadmaps uh, further further on um, or made these companies be more aware that like someone is cornering the market. So we should have we should have a product. People like ChatGPT can do this. Where are you, Google? Where are you, Microsoft? Yeah, yeah. So I think people are asking for that. And I know that Apple's taking its time. Uh, mm-hmm. They're making a few announcements, but I think they're taking its time. Microsoft partnered with OpenAI, so that's feeding into the Bing chat, which they're giving away. Well, we have it for free. I think there's an app, which is completely for free, mm-hmm. where you can do everything you can do on, well, almost everything on ChatGPT4. Uh, you can't upload documents. Um, but yeah, there's loads of cool loads of cool features that uh, keep coming out and keep, it's just this conversation and people trying to, I don't think people are trying to out-announce each other, out-announce each other yet, uh, but we might get to that point. And a lot of people say that AI is going to be as big as or bigger than the birth of the internet. Is that true? I think so. But I think I thought originally it was going to be faster than it. The change was going to be faster or the response was faster. Like I almost came into school in August going like expecting everyone to be talking about it. 
Mm. Uh, whereas I feel like when the internet happened, there was more of a, of course, there was always like what businessmen saying the internet's never going to take off and things like that. Mm. But I do feel like it is quite a seismic shift compared to the internet. The internet was just access to information. Mm. This is like processing and thinking and delivering that information in very different ways than me critical me reading something myself and then taking things away from that mm-hmm. there's an extra layer with ai there's an extra layer of complexity there's an extra layer for us i think as a society to unpick like the internet people were worried it was going to make people not critically think or it was same as a calculator i suppose uh, people going to make people dumber and they're not going to engage with things the same way People were copying, kids in my old school were copying things off Wikipedia and handing it in on PowerPoint presentations back in the day. Yeah, It's just adding that extra level of complexity where the knowledge that they almost had to go and find and unpick and find the relevant source. And even if they were cheating, copy and paste the part that they wanted. Now that is available at the after typing three or four words and then it's there and it's processed but Matthew, I kind of feel like with the birth of the internet, we we did have an idea about how it may well develop. Or at least I can remember being in the pub with some friends one time and, and I remember saying to them that it won't be long before, you know, maybe five, ten years in the future, by by which point we'll have some kind of a device where if we decide sat here in the pub that we want to go to the cinema, we could look up to see what's on at the cinema. We could watch a trailer. We could book tickets for the cinema and then we could go. And 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 everyone agreed that that's probably something that would happen in the next few years. I sort of feel like with AI, we don't really know, or at least I don't really know yeah. how it's going to look. I mean, do you have any idea how it's going to look in five years time or 10 years time or 20 years time? It's difficult to, it's just so many different routes it could go. And it depends on... I think what we decide its role is going to be in society. I think there will be some very difficult conversations that have to happen in terms of what role do we want this um, other thinking entity um, in the world? What role do we want it to play? Whereas the internet, I feel like you could see in the, in the example you used there with ticketing, you could almost see like how it could help with the transactional nature of of things that we wanted to do. Like mm. you could see that we could help, like I could go to an, an electronic store and buy things and that's mimicking regular human action. I think AI is a different paradigm in terms of what will be available. And like, I don't think the internet was gonna take people's jobs. It shifted things like people went from maybe selling in a, in a front line on a high street store to maybe working in a warehouse and I think there will potentially be that shift, but I think the shift potentially will be larger unless we carefully think about what happens. Like, could could an AI teach a student? We have platforms where students log in and get personalized learning. I don't think, and I don't think teaching should ever be screen based fully. Mm-hmm. I think there's a whole, there's always the pastoral side and, and human interaction side of school. But for some careers, like chatbots and things like that, they're very much in their infancy, but I could see them take playing more of a role. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe because of my age and generation, sometimes I get I get quite frustrated with a chatbot. I'd sometimes just rather speak to a person. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that will linger. Um, it's hard to predict because, and I keep saying to the teachers at my school, it's up to us really. If we're the first generation of people 
or first generation of teachers interacting or trying to use AI in education mm -hmm. or the first thing of marketers or head teachers or people working at, in huge businesses. I think it's up to us to kind of steer the way and lead the way and start to think critically about the decisions. So for me, I've tried so many different things like with AI, trying to get it to mark work. And I backed away from that because I just felt like the feedback, I didn't know, like it, I'd uploaded, I only did it with like a low stakes quiz, but I got it to take the results from the, the Microsoft form, process it, give the student feedback. I read the feedback it gave them. I saw their quiz, but I just felt like there was a distance there. Like I didn't feel like it was hands-on enough for me to have a, a personal conversation where mm. to plan a lesson or to go like, okay, I'm, I need to teach this, uh, this skill but to someone with dyslexia, can you give me some options? Like that mm. works for me. Mm. Um, supporting me as a human to do a human job, the human job of teaching, I think is where it works for me. When it becomes too automated uh, and like it cuts me out of the, the, the loop mm -hmm. with my students, that's, that's where it doesn't feel right. But that only comes from experimentation. Mm. I've just tried a lot of things and, and my, my students have been quite patient with me and they're very understanding. Oh, good guys, I'm trying this. Tell me what you feel about the feedback. And they like the feedback was good, but I felt like they said I couldn't, didn't feel like I could have a conversation with you about it because when I tried to talk to you, you then had to read my feedback oh, to know course. what to say to me. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it was like, I was kind of like a third party. Yeah, but I love the way that you're involving them in the experimentation and sharing with them the fact that you're trying this out and that you're looking for their feedback in, what well, essentially you're, you're looking for their feedback on the feedback that they're receiving. Yeah, and when we tried chatbots, I've gone like, I've tried this chatbot, here we go, give it a go. And uh, they've given me feedback and said like, yep, this works, this doesn't work. Uh, it w I made a revision bot and they really liked it. The issue was it went beyond the course, obviously, because it isn't constrained by the Cambridge A-level. It doesn't know the course specification. Mm -hmm. And at the time, at the current moment, the, the, the platform I'm using, I couldn't upload the course specification. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like, it would go and up, well, endlessly, at PhD level on certain things no, it could go yeah. up to. So it's not, cons and that's the thing sometimes with schools, it's about that. As well as getting a bot to do something, it's about constraining it to mm -hmm. not do things. And I've been very careful. As the last thing I want is to make a chat bot for science where they're interviewing a plant cell, which is a very early example of something I did in my school. And then they continue to use that plant cell bot at home and plant cell bot can also write English essays because it's been told. It's not been told that it's only a plant cell and it can only ever ah, be a plant cell. Yes, So that's the, that's one of the biggest things I've been doing with teachers is like, okay, set up your bot to do these sets of things, but also please remember that it's just got, ChatGPT is just everything absorbed. All hmm. this text, all everything that's ever been written, everything that's on the internet is just there. Hmm. So students could nudge it to do that as well they could use it for another purpose so i've been very careful to train them up to put the last line of every everything we create that's student facing so far to be constraints saying you are only ever we made a brian cox bot mm -hmm. uh, to explain some physics and like you are all, you're only ever going to be brian cox bot you cannot do this you cannot do this this is all you can do please only follow the instructions above so it's it's about building in that kind of that kind of awareness to remember to do that. And that took me a few times. I mm. made a bot where it was a silly thing, Christmas lesson where it 
the chatbot pretended to be a random Christmas elf with a different personality <laughs> okay. uh, for each student. So everyone had a different elf's name. One was grumpy, one was happy, all different personality types. Mm. And they generated programming challenges that were Christmas themed. Mm -hmm. uh, I forgot to add the extra line about saying it only has to be a Christmas elf that can generate programming challenges. Mm -hmm. Students like Christmas offends me uh, or <laughs> you are now a dragon. Uh, write me dragon themed <laughs> programming challenges. So uh, students usually try try to find the quickest way to 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 kind of circumvent anything that's put into place. Yeah. So that that was a, a learning experience to me that to always remember to always remember to put some kind of barrier or constraint on what what uh, what anything the student facing can do. It's quite interesting you mentioned that about students trying to find that sort of route, whereas I, I kind of feel like adults, especially adults, once they reach a certain age, might be scared or fearful of using something like this in case they use it in the wrong way, because it's, it's almost like they feel like they have to use it in the way that it was designed. Uh, so maybe they're not, you know, prodding the barriers. I can imagine, yeah, because the I can imagine the science teachers, if I gave them the Brian Cox spot, would just talk to it like it was Brian Cox and I only ask science so, yeah. questions. Mm. People did. We've, we've tested. They tested it with a few silly things like asking uh, favorite football teams, but probably that's on the internet somewhere about Brian Cox and has been pulled in. So it's just about, yeah, about building in those barriers and being aware as adults. Like it's not diminished my critical thinking skills making all these things or using AI. It's made me really think a lot deeper. And in some aspects, it's made me better at writing emails because I've just seen a lot more good practice by asking it to support me with my email writing. Mm -hmm. So I do use it less and less uh, with certain aspects of my job just because it's shown me much better practice than I've been exposed to, mm. um, I suppose. And But again, it does take... You have to think. I thought thinking deeply has been a big part of trying to do this rollout. Mm. And I don't think I've ever had to toil with ideas or had as many half ideas. Like mm -hmm. lots of the stuff with AI, I'm like half in, half out of a lot of things. Mm. And I haven't, I've got lots of incompleted thoughts about AI mm -hmm. um, that I don't know, like questions about personalization. Like, what does that look like if it's just students only ever getting what they want all the time? That's not if it's just like a curated algorithm like Netflix or, or Amazon based on previous actions. Is that education? Is that life? Me only getting what I want. And I think we've seen some of the impacts of that on like social media. Oh, yeah. If you have a certain political belief or a certain you're in a certain if you believe the earth is flat, you only see things which prove the earth is flat. Like, yeah. do you want students? I think one of the things about education and life is you being exposed to different things which aren't in your bubble. And if, and if education becomes so personalized that you only you only see certain things, mm -hmm. then that might be a dangerous route to go down. Mm. But I can see the advantage of if I'm not very good at this piece of maths, mm -hmm. you giving me focused, targeted intervention again and again and again on that piece of maths until I get it. Mm -hmm. And I can and I've shown you that I can do it 80% of the time correctly, then we'll move on to something else. Yeah. Yeah. And your your program to do all good practice, like retrieval practice and interleaving. And mm. when we're working together, you'll you'll come back to something that we did three weeks ago and test again. So you can build in all this educational theory into it. But I just that just means the kid's in front of a screen all the time. And is that 
Is that what we want? Is that what I want? I don't. I, I don't. I don't feel like I want that. Yeah, it, but it's good to hear you talking about that side of things because you know some people might wrongly presume that as an AI enthusiast, then it's it's kind of like your dream that people are using this and uh, letting their lives become absorbed by it. But Matthew, I'd love I'd love to take it outside of school for a moment. Maybe if someone's if someone's listening to this right now and they're thinking all right, so now I'm inspired to try it out a little bit. I've never really used it, but I'm going to try it over the weekend. How can people use it themselves outside of school? What sort of examples can you think of that in, in, in a way that they could use this kind of AI? The easiest, what we do every Sunday, uh, we've got two very fussy children, <laughs> one who only likes plain beige food and the other one who likes the full flavor profile. So we basically put in like, we are a family of four. We've got a two-year-old who's who likes to eat whatever we've got a five-year-old who will only eat plain pasta plain everything uh write us a budget meal plan for the week right. and it's pretty much what we use every week to go shopping so use it for wow. things, advice again it's, it's absorbed recipes like i used it to make some really nice additions to my christmas dinner this year um some like uh, like in Romania, there's I don't understand how they they label flour. This is a very silly anecdote. They label flour differently than they label it in the UK. And the last couple of years, I've had some very terrible results with my Yorkshire puddings at Christmas. So I thought this year, I took a picture of the shelf with all the flour types. I uploaded it into AI and was like, tell me which one I need to buy to make Yorkshire puddings. And it told me the correct flour to buy. Get out, so, no way. So, uh, and I asked it to then explain to me, why is that the correct flour? And it went into gluten and things like that. It's only when like I was out, I think I went back home at Christmas or I was talking to someone at Christmas. And it was only that I realized that I was using AI for a lot of things that other people weren't. And I was using it mainly like, mm. Mm. I also got it to when I was cooking at Christmas, again, going back to a couple of months ago, um, I used the voice feature and I was like, because you know, recipes are really annoying and online, the YouTube video goes on. I was like, it got me to do the recipe. And I said, after every step, stop, wait for me to say go. And this was in the voice mode and then tell me the next instruction. So I could cook, make the mm -hmm. whole thing. It would hover and wait and say, right, I'm ready for the next instruction now. And it'd be like, now add the eggs, now do this. So I managed to help it do things at my pace. Uh, so that was, that was fun. I just, wow. Yeah. I, that's that, that's a couple of silly examples, awesome. I suppose, but it's just showing the ways that it can kind of be integrated into into regular life, really. But if in doubt, like I was mm. confused about certain things, I was like, what do I do here? Or like, I've had this issue with, I'm having this issue. Can you give me some advice? There's a nice one called Pi, Pi.ai, mm. like Pi.ai. And it's basically like almost like a life coach. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't rely on it as a counselor or as a life coach, but it's like very thoughtful conversations and like I'm thinking about doing this or there's certain presets in it. One was uh, about if you want to go make a big life decision, you put them in like I'm thinking about maybe taking a new job and it'll go, why, why, why are you thinking that? Because of these reasons and like what are the things stopping you from taking the job when you put them in? And then it kind of coaches you through and gives you a, some quite a deep conversation and makes you realize if uh, or just coaches you through some of the choices you could or couldn't make. Matthew, I'm keeping an eye on time. I need to bring this to a close, but I could carry on talking to you about this forever. Um, one other thought that's just jumped into my head is that when you talk about having that kind of conversation with an AI bot or, or anything else, given the fact that technology is being advanced in the mechanical world and that there's the possibility that, that in the near future we could have like some kind of robot walking around our house, 
you know, maybe I'm jumping a few more years into the future right now. If you put that kind of AI personality in there, is there a danger that some people could cling on to those kind of relationships as opposed to real relationships in in their lives? Well, I think this is also happening like on some of the app stores and um, the people are creating with these bots. There's a couple of different places. There's the GPTs where you can make your own public selling uh, public chatbots that you can sell on on the OpenAI platform. There's other sources as well. But if you go on there, there's like hundreds of girlfriend bots, hundreds of boyfriend bots. Uh, there's very early examples of Snapchat where it was telling people to have underage sex and things like that. But it's about those I think we're not quite there yet in those guardrails. And I think people can get sucked in. Like people get catfished all the time online now. So I can imagine with deep fakes and things like that, it's going to open up another avenue that we'll have to be very cautious about of knowing what's what's real and mm. what's not real in terms of I can steal someone's picture and make a fake profile on Facebook and, and catfish them right now. What, what, what happens if I can get a two-minute youtube clip of them talking or a 30 second clip i made a whole video of a 30 second clip of me talking of me saying other things that i'd never said wow. um and that's just with a 30 second sample and, and there's more than that online of a lot of famous people or a lot of people have just posted things online mm. 30 seconds of anyone's voice anyone's picture anyone's anything and you could you could make a very very convincing version of them mm. um and I, I think with with again to go back to the actual question about robots and personalities i think it is going to be a tricky thing people people think so there's examples now of people marrying train stations and light bulbs and things like that so i can imagine <laughs> this this trend will continue you'll probably get someone who's married to a robot or in love with a robot in a couple of years but i guess here we're talking about the negatives equally on the flip side of that there are people like my grandfather who's still alive he's 102 years old which is pretty impressive wow but he lives on his own and maybe if if i mean clearly you know we, we don't have this yet but for him to have some kind of a companion where maybe he could talk to that person about about his time in the war you know if some ai kind of personality there could interact with him then i imagine that that could keep someone's brain stimulated which is always going to be a good thing for anyone in older age yeah i think then i might i jump to the negative and probably lots of people would because i think it's that fear they triggers that fear of replacement but of course there's going to be there's going to be places where that would be a great solution or probably the best solution or mm. open up a new solution. Uh, I'm not 100% against it. It's just I think that everything that comes is going to take a lot of, 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 of thinking, deep thinking and lots of thought about what, what role. If we have a robot that's an artificial intelligence and it can, and it can build a car, would that, is that more comfortable with us as a society than a chatbot that would look after a baby or go something that go we'll do our shop weekly shop for us mm. or talk to our or teach our kids i think yeah. it's going to be finding that balance and finding where it works or doesn't work i think and that's going to yeah. take some experimentation and probably some things going right and some things going wrong yeah yeah well, it's going to be an interesting world for sure. There's no doubt about that. Um, Matthew, I really should let you get back to your to your regular job, but thank you so much for being here. Um, if anybody wants to connect with you, I imagine online, LinkedIn, that kind of thing, what's going to be best? LinkedIn's the where I, I mainly I'm, I mainly am or on active. All right. Well, we'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes, but thank you so much for being here. It's been really, really interesting talking to you. No, it's been great. Thank you very much for inviting me.
So you've just reached the end of this episode. If you would like to have a podcast in your school for your own school marketing, then zip on over to www.thebonjouragency.com. We get your school podcast up and running and we keep it going for consistent episodes coming out regularly. But if you don't want a podcast, then you're still welcome here at I'd Rather Be at the Beach because we're just like a big family here. Anyway, the next episode's coming out soon, so click that option to follow or subscribe. It just means that you won't miss it. We'll see you next time. Bye for now.